Hello and welcome to SifPop Writer's Room. My name is not Aaron, it's in fact Robert. I'm one of the editors at SifPop.com, and today for a special bonus episode discussing uh, the final, the surprise final season of Winning Time, I'm joined by SifPop writer Sam. Robert, don't you show me those teeth. Do you think I'm afraid of you? I have so much to talk about. I am pissed that this is it. You got your Pat Riley energy, you got your Jerry Buss energy, you got... Like everyone energy right now everyone's angry on that show everybody's unhappy except for no one, no, yeah yeah <laughs> except at the end <laughs> where he's very unhappy yeah he's very unhappy at the end there yeah we're here just to talk about winning time um we've done a couple of these um final season spoiler episodes um so here's your spoiler warning right off the bat it's gonna be a spoiler talk for the entirety of the two seasons of winning time yeah, we did Ted Lasso, Succession, Barry earlier in the summer, um, since those had their final seasons and now winning time. Like I said, we've learned that it that it's having its final season and we're here to talk about it. Um, that's about all I got for introduction. Let's start off with our, um, our rating on the Sip Pop scale just as the final season and then we'll just get into it, see where the conversation takes us. So, Sam... Season two of Winning Time. Like I love it, dislike it, hate it, just okay. My heart loves it. My brain pretty much hates it. Hates <laughs> it because it's over and hates it because there is so much in it that could have worked out so well that is botched and mishandled on a multiple of levels. And it hurts even more because of how much I love the NBA. And I hate mm-hmm. the Lakers specifically. I'm a Suns fan through and through. I hate the Lakers very much. I only root for them currently because they have LeBron, but that's another story. But there was so much to like about it because of the writing and directing and the style and just an outstanding cast. But the whole thing felt botched from the jump in season two. And honestly, you could go back even to season one. The whole thing feels botched in a very odd way. But my heart loves it. Because it's fun, it's ridiculous, it's a great yeah. cast, and there's so much nonsense that happens, and there's so many good depictions of real-life people that were so good that they got real-life NBA personalities to say the show is crap, which is how you know it must be very factually accurate. So Ruffling some feathers for good reason, yeah. If you're pissing off Jerry West, you've done something right. Well, isn't that not too difficult? <laughs> It, it, it must not be, but, but hey, he hasn't said much in a long time since he admitted to like sure. paying off the Clippers to get them Kawhi Leonard or whatever that was. So he came out of his cave to be mad about this. Sam, I had you on um, because you're such a big NBA fan. I, I Yeah, definitely bigger than me. I'm a big NBA fan, but you definitely know more about it than I do. So I thought this would be a good conversation. For a couple of basketball fans who also like TV, um, yep. and we're off to a good start here. <laughs> so, we are. Um, what did you think? Like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, just okay? I think uh, I'm a little less extreme than you, but same sort of reaction uh, where my heart says I really like it, but my head says I just don't really like it. Because, um, like you said, it's really ridiculous. There are about 35 different <laughs> plot lines going on at any any given time. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
let me say I binged this all for the first time over the past like five days. So I'm fresh off it with every episode. Um, and I was telling someone about it the other day and just saying like, it follows Magic Johnson and Jerry Buss and Pat Riley and Paul Westhead and Jeannie Buss. And it's just like, you could keep going down the line because of how many characters it tries to focus on. Season two adds Larry Bird. It's got some David Stern stuff. It's just like, there is so much here. I don't know what to focus on. As a basketball fan who knows all of these people and all of their personalities, it's fun to watch it. It's fun to just take it, you know, take in the dramatized NBA because let's be honest, the NBA is almost more dramatic than a HBO show as it is. But um Oh yeah. People tune in just to see what nonsense happened in the NBA today. It almost for a period of time within the last 10 years, it almost didn't matter who won the title because it was probably going to be the Golden State Warriors. But right. people still watched because it was going to be dramatic one way or another how it happened. And this show is kind of the epitome. And who's trash talking between games and everything. Yeah, because think about eight that 80s NBA. There were two teams that won the vast majority of titles. The Los Angeles Lakers, who are the focus of the show, the Lakers are the protagonists, not the team, not the ownership. Yeah. It's just the Lakers are the protagonists. And then the Celtics won three others, and then the Sixers stole one in there somewhere. And I forget who won the other. Oh, no. The Pistons won two of them in there. Bad boy Pistons, yeah. Bad boys. I was excited to get to them and see what who they were going to cast as Isaiah Thomas. I was like, whoever that is, is gonna has to be fantastic. I will be so excited to see that. And then my heart will go on. So, <laughs> right. So let's talk about the cancellation a bit because it's this season was seven episodes. I think only two of them reached an hour. Um, yeah. The and rest the were about 45 minutes. Yeah. The first season was 10 episodes each right about an hour on the dot, mm-hmm. um, which is typical of a, of a HBO show. Um, but it almost seems like they had an inkling from the conception of season two that, uh, they might be canceled. They, they might might not be long for HBO, yeah. you know. Uh, so it's... That just plagued it so badly, I think. Um, not only in how the episodes went by, but just in the ending of the entire season, there are a million hanging threads. It doesn't resolve anything. Closing title cards, uh, Unbreakable style, doesn't yeah. really feel <laughs> satisfactory. Um, Not at all. It's it's but it's wild. The rumor I had heard is that, and I should we just say spoiler alert? Although all of this is on a Wikipedia and b basketball reference, and then c just nba.com. Like the vast majority of this information is just out there for consumption. Oh yeah, we're we're fully spoiler free or open yeah. to spoilers. So say whatever you want. Yeah. So the final episode is the 1984 NBA Finals between the aforementioned Los Angeles Lakers led by Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and the Boston Celtics led by Larry Bird and still spearheaded by Red Auerbach. And the final shot is the Celtics winning that title at home in Boston in a show about the Los Angeles Lakers And the rumor that I had heard was originally that episode and that season was going to end with this dramatic shot of Magic Johnson. I don't think he was crying, but just sitting in shame in the shower, 
just right. sitting down, just upset about the loss, fuming, pondering, whatever he was going through. And that is honestly not a bad place to end a season two and nope. then give us something to pursue for a season three with revenge against the Celtics and more information about that title and more information about the 1980s. And you can start bringing in even more characters because you could bring in a baby Michael Jordan. You could bring in the bad boy Pistons. Like there was stuff to be done. And I think HBO knew this and the writers of winning time must have known, like you said, there's cancellation on the horizon. We have to draw in interest. And if we end with the Lakers just winning another title, like we ended season one, I mean, we're not doing anything new that's bringing people to the table. So we have to do something that's going to get people interested. So let's end with the Lakers losing to the Celtics. It's a smart move, but in lieu of now what's happened with it being canceled due to lack of viewership, lack of accolades, a combination of the sag after strike and the WGA strike, it's – it's just a weird place for the show to be done. And then, like you said, there's like a fill-in scene with Jeannie Buss and Jerry Buss, like talking happy on the floor of the, of the Lakers. Forum. And then title cards of the Lakers won four more titles in the 1980s. And Jerry Buss lived until 2013 and won a bunch more titles and drafted a dude named Kobe Bryant. And it's like, you can't sum 30 years of the NBA into – into 10 Six title, title cards. cards. Yeah. yeah. Where's Hakeem Olajuwon, man? I wanted that version. <laughs> of the show. So, yeah, it was a smart idea if they had ended it with Magic in the shower upset, but they didn't. And now we have this terrible ending. Be- because I think you're objectively right that it's an objectively bad ending. Um, oh, yeah. And it's... Because of the title cards at the end, it feels like there's intended closure. Yeah. But also, like you said, it just doesn't work. Um, the first scene of the first episode of the first season is Magic being diagnosed with HIV. Um, so we were talking earlier with Aaron on Slack about where we thought the show was initially wanting to end before any uh whiffs of cancellation were coming around to me it seems like that would be a good place for it to end because the show is called the rise of the lakers dynasty so for it to rise for magic to win what is it four titles in the 80s I believe it's five. Um, five uh for him to win that many titles in the 80s the lakers dynasty will have officially risen and we see all this excess of the 80s almost, you know, Scorsese style. Yeah. Um, and then, hey, you're brought down to earth. Here's the consequences of that. You know, it's it's pretty, it would have been pretty satisfying narratively. Um, I've also, like you were saying on, in that chat, uh, I wouldn't have been surprised if they wanted to go all the way to Kobe and then to LeBron. And by the, by the way, about LeBron, they mentioned that uh, Kareem's scoring title is or scoring record is broken. I thought that would have been a nice place to add that another Laker broke the record because it's a Lakers show and yeah. they didn't even put that in there. It's just really, really weird on a lot of fronts. 
and that speaks to like basketball stuff of like where LeBron stands with like Lakers fandom in terms of his reception with them. But at the same time, it also speaks to, they didn't, I think the show had potential this entire time, but there wasn't really an end point in that discussion with Aaron. I don't think you could have really ended this show at magic's diagnosis. You could have, but then I think that's kind of an odd spot to end the show because that wasn't the end of, Magic getting diagnosed with HIV happened after the, he lost in the 1991 NBA Finals to Michael right. Jordan. And then he has, he plays on the dream team and then he like sits out a couple more years and has like one random season in 1996 where he plays like 40 games or something. And then he eventually is just fully retired. And that's when Kobe and Shaq show up. And historically, I think ending it there wouldn't have been the greatest move but i think there was potential for it to get to that point and then go even further and then go so much further past what happens after magic where we get to a basically present day point and i'm sitting here thinking well where could they have legitimately ended the show barring the lakers winning another title within like the next two years in actual nba world you kind of have to end the show with genie bus standing at center court in the bubble in 2020 with another NBA championship by herself. Like that's because by that point, her dad is passed and she's fully the governor of the Lakers. So that's a point you could get to, but that would take so long to get there that you really would have to have established faith with the HBO audience and the HBO producers that we can get to this point and still have viewership and not just interactions on Twitter with fans who are half watching the show. Yeah. To be fair, it is a good, you know, sit on your phone show. Yeah. Uh, have it on in the background just because it's a lot of it is mindless. There's about one or at least one scene per episode where magic is trying to convince cookie that he's going to get better. I, he I obviously never does. Watch and talk to cookie again in my life. It would be too soon. Yeah. <laughs> But your yeah, point about married, but like the point of it was he was kind of a bad husband for like forever, he for got a was. long time. Yeah. <laughs> um, your point about Jeannie in the 2020 season, I th- I think that would have been interesting, a, a good way to end it. Also, um, but it also is just like who's the main character of the show? You said it's the Lakers. Uh, I think the first season it kind of wants it to be both. Jerry Buss and Magic with a little bit of Genie underneath. Um, the second season, it focuses much more on Magic with Jerry's just always, you know, doing a Jerry's dickhead. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> so that's mostly where my main issue is overall. It's just, it's very unfocused. Yeah. Um, so that's why it's really nebulous about where it could have ended. It could have ended any place. Honestly, except for where it did. If, if like, HBO told them ahead of time, hey, this is your last season, I'm sure they could have figured out something much more satisfying than ending with Magic sitting in the shower and then yeah. a bunch of terrible title cards. That wouldn't have been the way to end it. I think if you're telling them this is the only season you're getting after this, they would have had to stretch it even further and go to, like, 1987 when hmm. Magic hits, like, the hook shot over Bird for the fourth title that he won that would have been the moment to go for it. But 
at the same time with that, with the show being unfocused, because I agree, because Magic and Bus are kind of arguing for who's the main focus in season one, and Magic seems to be way more of the focus in season two. And then you've got Pat Riley showing up being a big part of it, and Jeannie starting to get more light. I think it would have been possible if, probably even better, if the show evolves over time. Because Jerry really got pushed to a corner where it's just Jerry being a goofball and being a lunatic for this yeah. whole season. And Magic's whole MO was, I'm just going to scream about how I am the leader of this team and blah, blah, blah. Or I'm going to be, like we said, on the phone with Cookie for the <laughs> second, for every single episode, he just has to talk to her and has to try to convince her to like leave her actual faithful boyfriend for him which and have the same exact conversation every time yeah it's just the same conversation each and every time and it's a there's so much there's so much that the show could do that it ending right here on the saddest possible note is such a huge bummer especially because two episodes before the third to last episode where where pat wiley takes over is like the best scene in the whole show where he finally yeah. did Pat Riley snaps and stop being the nice guy and becomes the Pat Riley NBA legends and fans all remember, which is basically the godfather of the Lakers. And then yeah. the nineties Knicks and modern heat culture for the Miami heat, where he just screams at everybody about how they're failing individually. And it's a fantastic thing to behold. And it's a great scene. And I the was the reason I hate him in real life. <laughs> yeah. Adrian Brody, is Pat Riley through and through like I, Pat Riley is never going to say anything, but he has to feel a kind of way about Adrian Brody's performance. He was captured very well. Uh, do you think he's probably one who probably who doesn't appreciate the, the portrayal either? Because I messaged you while I was watching the first season where I was like, I'm actually feeling bad for Pat Riley. But once uh, Paul Westhead gets a big head, then uh, Pat Riley's like you said, he has his, almost his villain origin where he's like, all right, I'm taking over now. And then he starts yelling and he becomes a Pat Riley. We all know. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, all right, I don't feel bad for him anymore. That's the Pat Riley. I know. And the Pat Riley, I love to hate. Yeah. And that was his arc in a way is becoming that villain. Yeah. That, that person who was so easy to, it was so easy for him to push people to a successful point because of that style of coaching that he had. And I bet, the real life Pat Riley doesn't love that portrayal because I'm sure it makes him think people see me this way and that's not who I am. I am a leader, but I'm not just a demon. Like and right. he, Pat Riley definitely isn't like that all the time. We've seen him in quieter moments, but Pat Riley also freely yells at every NBA superstar ever. Why yep. wouldn't he? He's Pat Riley. He doesn't care. <laughs> yeah. that He's an interesting case in, in this show. Um, and there's, this conversation is difficult because there's the show is so all over the place that it's easy to just want to go all over the place with a conversation too. Um, I think we probably exhausted what we think. Question, of the, sure. Which performance do you think is the very best performance put aside? However, that person might be in real life. 
Yeah, so that's what I was going to try to start getting into because we talked about all the cancellation stuff. So let's get into the meat of the second season. Um, I think uh, Quincy Isaiah, right, who plays Magic, I think he's great. He, he uh, especially in this second season, even though we're already ragging on the conversations with the Cookie, I think he was the best performance. He Magic has such a unique magic about him, a unique uh, charisma quality that it's difficult to replicate it's not just like a normal magnetism it's not like a normal uh charismatic celebrity or athlete magnetism that anyone could just come and do um so it's impressive that he's able to do that my second place would be jerry bus uh, uh john c Riley as jerry bus because i always think of john c Riley and his silly comedies i know he does more than that i love him in magnolia um, is another thing that comes to mind, but it's just like, he is, I was thinking of succession a lot watching this show. He's basically the Logan Roy of the show. He's the evil godfather, basically. Um, and he plays that really, really well. He's despicable. He's evil. Uh, he's lying and two faced. Um, John C. Riley is just great in the show, especially with the hairpiece. He looks just like Jerry Buss. Um, and that's the other thing that I think they get really right is the makeup and hairstyling. So uh, both in performance and appearance, I think Quincy Isaiah and John C. Riley are my favorites. What about you? I would, I think Adrian Brody kind of stole it for me in season two. I think without Quincy Isaiah being as good as he is as Magic Johnson, the show really wouldn't have a backbone because you could have somebody doing a caricature of Jerry Butts and it'd be all right. But you have to have somebody who can capture like the charisma that Magic Johnson had and yeah. also capture the fire that he had because for how joking and smiling Magic Johnson is in every interview he does and every press thing he does, like Magic Johnson was just as vicious of a basketball player as Michael Jordan was. Like yeah. Yeah. wanted to win at whatever cost it took. And I appreciated that. I think some of the more interesting performances are the not the smaller character because because they certainly weren't smaller in real life. But I was really impressed by uh, Solomon Hughes as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I think that was a really strong performance. Jason Siegel, who really in my brain is only ever known for Marshall on How I Met Your Mother, is yes. very interesting as Paul Westhead, and is the only and person Shakespeare quotes. Yeah, is one of the few characters who kind of gets any kind of art where he's like the humble loser sort of at the beginning. And then he gets the ego and the ego pops and we go from there. He actually gets somewhat of an arc. I do think if we had more time with her, I would have been really interested to see more of the actress who played uh, Jeannie Buss. And I can't remember her name right now to save my life, but... She was terrific as that's where I thought she could become the centerpiece of the show later. Cause I think the show could have been like one of those uh, astro- astronomical phenomenons where you have two suns rotating each other. Yeah. Where you could have had, and this is why I think the show never really found the right balance, but the two sons should have been the leader and the figurehead of the organization, which is Jerry Buss for a lot of it. And then whoever the key star player was, and it's Magic Johnson, and you do that for two or three seasons, and then 
Jerry Buss sticks around, but maybe it becomes the figurehead becomes Phil Jackson. And then the star player is Kobe Bryant. And then you get even later and perhaps even in like a modern era where it's, it's a genie bus because now she is the governor of the Lakers and it's LeBron James or Shaquille O'Neal and Phil Jackson in earlier iterations, because having more of those kind of characters in those balance, that would have been good. And I really liked the actress who played genie. And again, I can't remember her name. Hadley Robinson. Um, the one moment, <laughs> the one moment of genuine like emotional pathos that I felt maybe in the entire show was after Kareem's house burns down uh, and he comes to the forum and all the fans are there to give him his records. Uh, I think anytime that people just like come together to help someone out of like a earnest and genuine place that it moves me. And that scene got me. Um, And I think that that's also a big problem with the show is that because it's so spread thin, there's a lack of buy-in and, with most of the characters, but that one really worked. Um, mostly because Kareem does also have a bit of an arc. He's sort of a anti-hero or a, almost a villain figure in the first season. True. Um, so to see him get to the point, uh, at least where the rest of the team stands up for him or like gather or like, yeah, gathers around him when something like that happens to him. That's an interesting little development. So, yeah, he's one of the other ones that I liked. Did you notice that there were at least three or four times throughout the show where Jeannie Buss is just in a corner somewhere overhearing people talking about her and that's how they move the plot forward? Yeah, that happens several times. And I thought that was honestly kind of funny at a certain point. And then that's, I like that <laughs> right. they portrayed Jerry Buss's son, the two sons who are, I don't want to say popular, heard like no like the more prominent brothers. I love how they portrayed them just as like dawdling idiots because in real life yeah. they kind of are just dawdling idiots, which is funny to think about how, again, more accuracy portrayed in the show and there's more people who aren't happy with it. But ironically, this season, Jeannie Buss was actually like, yeah, I actually kind of like the show. She actually kind of came out and supported it. It's like, yeah, I'm good with the show. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder what about it changed uh, because it did tone yeah, really, it down a little bit because there wasn't so much of Jerry being wild in the second season. He does still do his like bizarre antics, but most of it is his weird subplot with marrying this honey figure who isn't actually a real person. She's an amalgamation of like a bunch of yeah. different women who Bus had affairs with and different problems that he had with, that came with those issues. Side He's note: Apparently, on like, suing him for a hundred million dollars. Where's that going? I was like, I need to find out what happened. I know he definitely got sued several times. Where did that go? Like, yeah. What happened with that? But apparently, that's not a real person who really sued him for a hundred million dollars. So, what were you going to do with that story? And why are you fully diverging and making up a fictional person here when you could just? tell the real story of somebody, but maybe there's an NDA involved somewhere where somebody's not interested in speaking out against right. their experience with the bus family. And on this note of side characters, I have to get to these two while they're portrayed as villains. 
and I know this isn't part of the conversation we're going to have fun with because you're a Celtics fan. I love the dude yep. who played Red Auerbach, and I love the dude who played Larry Bird. I don't know who played Red Auerbach, but Sean Patrick Small, whatever his name is, that guy was killing it as Larry Bird. And what makes it even funnier is that Bo Burnham was supposed to be Larry Bird. I know. Bird. <laughs> I know. It kills me. I, I really wish we could have gotten to see that. Even though, like you said, uh, Sean Patrick Small, who does play him, is great. And uh, Michael Chiklis is Red Auerbach. Well, that's who um, it is. Yeah. I, I had heard it before, but I didn't. Now I'm going to just think of the thing from Fantastic. I know. <laughs> um, I really like that, that actual episode they gave that was half about just Larry Bird growing up and yeah. going back to where he grew up in Indiana, then eventually playing at Indiana State and then joining the Celtics. I kind of liked that episode, and I liked mm-hmm. his interactions with Magic. And he's portrayed as this villain, when in reality, like, kind of Larry Bird's legend in the NBA is that he was a notorious trash talker who no one could really stop. And I think there's some – I think at one point you weren't happy about that because of the Celtics' portrayal of how they're being portrayed. I'm like, that's just kind of how Larry Bird is, though. I don't see him as a bad guy. It's just like, that's just Magic's foil. Like, Magic's a goofball yeah. and smiling and great. Larry Bird doesn't care and he'll rip your heart out. Like, that's just kind of how Larry Bird was, and I appreciated He's that. He's basically a robot and yeah. still is. Yeah, I apparently I have a coworker who actually went to Indiana State where Bird went, and mm-hmm. he said he didn't go back for, like, 40 years. And then when he did come back because Indiana State played Butler, he walked out for two seconds at half court, waved, and then promptly dipped. He just dipped. <laughs> around it's like well yeah that's larry bird he just doesn't care it tracks yeah he's gonna go home and watch wheel of fortune or whatever drink a budweiser like that's just larry bird yeah no one really knows much about him except that he's like a if he wasn't one of the five greatest nba players of all time or whatever he'd be just a normal working class dude who probably never left small town in indiana before like he broke his hand or something playing softball at like 19 years old he claims that he was a better shooter before that i'm like okay like how that's something that he would say though (laughs) i receiver who ever played football sure man whatever you say yeah uh i i didn't mind the portrayal of the celtics because boston has a reputation and it's not necessarily unearned you know uh, it doesn't really get too racist in the show, um, which I was somewhat surprised about. I guess they just didn't want to go down that road, even though though they very well could have, uh, yeah. because players still talk about it to this day uh, of all sports. But um, they just say they just portray it as like Boston fans hate the Lakers, and I I like the the scenes of the Lakers like sprinting off the court to get to the bus as soon as the games end um, before the buses get egged and basically yeah. stormed like the bus in the Zack Snyder Dawn of the Dead. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it, it, like you said, it's a good foil for the Lakers and the way that Bird is a good foil for Magic. Yeah. Um, I, like you said, as a big Celtics fan, I had a big grin on my face watching the end of the <laughs> the finale as the Celtics 
ripped the hearts out of the Lakers when they were convinced that they were going to win. And it does, like I said in the chat, it does feel like a bit of sour grapes uh, when they're like showing the refs are screwing us or uh, Red Auerbach, which he did do like infamously, which is like messing with the climate of the the arena and all that. He's not the but only owner to do that, though. We have history of right. on the Knicks owner being like not even turning on the water in visitors' locker room in New York City, which is disgusting to think about. Oh, a hundred percent. It's just like I said, it feels like it, it's a show made in Hollywood about Hollywood's team, which is one of the most valuable and popular sports franchises in the world. So of course they're gonna portray their greatest rivals as a bit more of villains than they actually are. Yeah. Um, even when they have actual villainous qualities about them that they kind of ignore. Yeah. What I what I thought was interesting, and I think they really could have expanded on this more as the years go on, and it basically would have become a cycle of, I don't really think the Lakers' antagonist was the Celtics. I think the Lakers' antagonist was the Lakers. If the yeah. Lakers are the protagonist, they're also their antagonist because Magic gets in his own way. Kareem doesn't really want to be there. Pat Riley can't figure out what kind of coach he wants to be. Paul Westhead can't get the supporting needs. Jerry Buss is getting in his own way constantly with his legal troubles. And that's just the 80s. In the 90s, they sucked. And then in the 2000s, Shaq and Kobe never got along. And when they did, they won titles. And But most of the time, they didn't. And then Kobe was by himself. And then he got some help. They won a couple more. And then they sucked for the entirety of the 2010s, except for like two years. And they got whooped in those two playoff series that they would have had to eventually show if the show got to the 2010s where Dirk like curb stomped the Lakers by himself. And like baby Kevin Durant, baby Russell Westbrook curb stomped them. They got (laughs) their own way. Like that's what it happens constantly with them. And it even happens now. Like they're not ever healthy currently when they are they're great but they're not that's what happens when you have ad as your as your second star yeah and that could have been a theme of it is the villain isn't austin the villain isn't larry bird the villain wasn't michael jordan the villain wasn't kevin garnett and paul pierce the villain is the lakers they can't get out of their own way but when they do look how great they can be and that's a very interesting thought to have trying to find that balance of motivating yourself while at the same time not getting too big on your own riches. Right. Um, what did you think of the show's style? Like we kind of talked about the content and the acting and the actual events. What do you think of like the, it, it's very Adam McKay in some senses. I really liked when they were actually on the court. I call it the Zack Snyder effect when everybody wants to make athletics in slow motion and it Mm. honestly bothers me because i've seen 300 at least once i don't know if i've seen 300 more than that one time and i immediately thought this is far too much slow motion and i think a lot of sports (laughs) movies rely on that in a big way of how slow can we make this for tension and i think oddly enough even though disney has their own problems with this kind of thing disney's remember the titans actually has some decent depictions of what football is like at full speed and I liked that they cap, kind of captured that with the Lakers because it was showtime. They weren't slow. They were fast. And capturing except that. Except for under Paul Westhead. Yeah, except for Paul Westhead. 
So I liked that part of it. Um, the weird like camera angles and like framing it, it's whatever you want to make of it. It never really got in the way for me. I never thought it really added much. I kind of preferred it when Jerry Buss was breaking the fourth wall. I kind of enjoyed that he would look at the camera and be like, now I got to fix this. Now I got to yeah. do this. I kind of liked that. And I liked that it was just him because it gets annoying when it's more than one person. But again, that well, wasn't magic doing it a bit too. Yeah, I guess magic did it a bit too, but they never did it together. They sure. never were both looked at the camera. It would have been interesting if like, again, let's say the show goes on we get into like the two thousands and Phil Jackson looks at the screen. He's like, how do I get Kobe to calm down? And <laughs> Kobe looks at the screen. He's like, well, this fat seven foot monster just put down the cheeseburgers. And now you get two more people breaking the fourth wall. And yeah. that would have been, it could have been an interesting thing on that end. They didn't really do that in the second season. And I wish they had, but yeah, it's weird how much less they do it. Uh, yeah. It feels like a stylistic departure and not like motivated by anything in particular. It's just like, we're not going to really do that anymore. And it's like, all right. I didn't necessarily like it in the first place. Uh, I am kind of tired of the Adam McKay thing. Um, but if you're going to do it, like stick to it, that's your style. It's, that's what you are as a show. Um, and I think that just is a whole other thing where it just feels disjointed altogether. Yeah. Could you at all parts where it's like, sometimes it feels like it's on a tape recorder. Sometimes it feels like it's a film camera. Sometimes it's black and white. Sometimes it's, uh, breaking the fourth wall. It's just, yeah, it seems all very arbitrary and they're doing it whenever they feel like it. I, I couldn't find any rhyme or reason behind it. It all just kind of felt like this is what I we're doing. I can't think of a rhyme or reason to it either. Other than it was usually Jerry Buss or Magic. And I don't think anybody else ever really did. And it didn't bother me when they didn't, when they didn't have rhyme or reason to it. I thought that was kind of the point is it's glit, it's Hollywood, it's glitz and it's glamour and it's flashy, but there's not, there's not something to it. It's just the way that it is. And in the quiet moments where Jerry's like, what am I going to do? I am flat broke. I can't technically own this team. It's in my wife's name. Or when magic is like, I have to trust Kareem or I have to get healthy. It's those are the moments where I think the show was actually great. Or on the occasional loud, not glitzy moment where like it was usually Pat Riley again with the screaming at everybody in the locker room or at the end of season one where at the end of the infamous game six where baby magic starts at center because Kareem is injured and he has yeah. like a 40 point triple double and to give him that last push on the bench, he breaks it to him. Hey magic, guess what? You lost the rookie of the year award. And that and it becomes a serious moment, but it's loud to magic because you can hear the screaming of all the Philadelphia fans. And then he, it just cuts into Pat Riley saying 63 at three and magic looks up and he's like, huh? And he's like, you lost the rookie vote 63 to three. And then you get to see magic be a killer again for just a little bit at the end of the show where he's not, he's smiling and having fun, but he's doing it to win. And I liked that aspect where you could really zoom in because the glitz and glamour, it didn't really add or detract, but those powerful moments were the good stuff, so to speak. 
I I'll take that. I, I think that makes sense because I really just was lost in that at some points. It didn't um, make sense because they didn't care. Right. It's it's, but it does make sense to a certain extent of what you're saying, where it fits with the thematic nature of the show. Yeah. Um, there's the stuff that I was thinking about during the show was about how seriously they all take this because we as fans take it super seriously. And a lot of the players think about it as life and death, but in reality, sports don't really matter (laughs) in the grand scheme of like actual things. Um, And I think it also goes to a certain length to interrogate the idea of the hollowness of sports and why everyone's taking it so seriously and everything that it comes, that comes along with it. Like magic just wants to play basketball, but all of a sudden he's uh, exposed to the glitz and glam of Hollywood. And then, yeah, you know, everything that magic does happens uh, compared or contrasted with bird who takes it super seriously. And that's all that's ever on his mind apart from, you know, breaking his back, doing his mother's driveway in Indiana. Uh, it's, I think that's an interesting subject matter to tackle because it's not one that you see tackled or even like talked about just in real life very often. Um, and then back, going back to the scene where Kareem gets the records from the kid, um, Pat Riley gives a speech in the locker room and it's like, this is a got to hand it to a moment where he talks about like, this is why we play because it means so much to people. Um, and as a lifetime sports fan who doesn't necessarily want to be a sports fan, but it's not something I ever am going to be able to give up. Uh, that really gets to the heart of why I watch because it means something to me. And these guys at their very best, they're going to put something back into it so that they repay what it means to me. So I, I like that it does that because at the heart of it, it's a sports show, even though a lot of it is just like Jerry Buss with strippers or Magic Johnson trying to get his girlfriend back or this or that. Paul West said and, and Pat Riley just yelling at each other and, we haven't really talked about Jerry West very much, but Jerry was breaking his MVP trophy, all of this stuff. There's not a lot of like actual sports visually, yeah. but it gets to the heart of why it's meaningful to us. It does. And I think that we talked about the lack of focus. The problem with the Lakers being the protagonist is we don't have a, a focus because that's such a large scope. We don't have a specific right. angle. And I think if they had made the focus, the coaching staff and the players with Jerry Buss being kind of like a figurehead esque picture or picturesque person, kind of that would have been something more because then it is more about why we love sports because you talked about succession and how the show kind of reminds you of like, in a lot of ways, Jerry is kind of like Kendall Roy, not Kendall, uh, Logan Roy, Logan. Yeah. And not Kendall but he's a lot like Logan Roy in those ways. And I think it, it could have been interesting if they had focused on that more and kind of put the basketball on the back burner. But at the same time, I, they really struck gold with a lot of the people who they cast in the show. We haven't talked about him at all, but Norm Nixon is played by Norm Nixon's real son. And Oh my goodness. I didn't even know that. Yeah. And he does great. He's great in his role. And, yeah, Quincy Isaiah and Solomon Hughes—they're great in their roles. 
And I think you take the focus off of the basketball players too much, you kind of lose the attention of the audience because they know who Kareem is. They know who Magic is. They know who Bird is. Enough of them know – the Lakers fans know who Norm Nixon is and they know who James Worthy is. And you can – as the years go on, you have more figures and more Lakers characters to draw on. And focusing on all the stuff that happens in the background, it definitely mattered. But I don't really care about how many lawsuits Jerry Buss went through. I like yeah. trying to see what Magic went through to become the winner that he was or see the struggles of Kareem. And that was a big thing I didn't like about season two was Kareem getting put on the back burner except for that thing where everybody joins in and like like the people of Los Angeles band together to tell him how much he means to them. Right. Like, he doesn't get a ton to do. His eye gets scratched by somebody and we see why he wears goggles. Like, oh, great. So this is a character last moment. crusade moment. Yeah. It, it's a last crusade moment, except he played for another five years. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> and it was nice to, it was nice for him to have that moment where he gets to be a vocal leader, which is something Kareem wasn't often doing, but it was, it would have been nicer if you had more of those moments because you mentioned how Larry Bird was just like, I'm just here to play basketball and this is just my thing. Kareem was far closer to Bird in that respect than he was Magic because Magic was about the glitz and the glamour. Kareem went home to his partner and he would go home to his child. And that's what Kareem would do. And he would talk about culture and he would talk about what's happening with... Right, he also had bigger things on his mind. Yeah, and that was more important than whatever Magic wanted him to do as a teammate. And it would have been nice to see more of Kareem doing that and campaigning for that. And then you could have him pulling Magic in. Because Magic has done a lot of great things for the people of Los Angeles and all over the world because of how wealthy of a businessman he is. And it would have been nice to see some of the, some of that bonding. And I wish they had focused on that with season two more. But gave that time to Larry Bird, I guess. So... <laughs> Or they cut that time. Th- There's three episodes because it's three episodes short with the first. Right. I, th- I think at the end of the day, here is what we keep coming back to is that there just wasn't enough. And I think that is self evident in that it's a show that was canceled early. But so there's some push and pull there where it's like maybe they were planning to get there. But at the same time, it's so disjointed for what it was season one when. They're just like, all right, we're here to make the first season of a however long running TV show. And then that's right off the bat. They have 15 different main characters. Yeah, I think the show is kind of in a bad place uh, structurally to start with. And it never really gets better, especially as the whispers grow louder about potential cancellation. So I don't know. Do you have any final thoughts as we wrap up because we've hit a lot of it probably talked in circles a couple times, but are there any other big things you wanted to hit on? I think so. I had this idea of the first season is entirely just about the 1979, 1980 season. Would Mm -hmm. they have been smarter once they had heard, Hey, you're on the brink of cancellation here. If they had just cut bait and gone straight to a different season, just be like, screw this. We're going to 1987. 
where they you mean in the first season or in season two season like yeah the whole the whole first season is just about 80 they say screw it what it doesn't matter what happens in between we're just going straight to 1987 or screw it we really don't care we're going to 2001 or we're going to 2010 we're going way past all this stuff and we're starting from scratch in some respect and we're focusing on something else entirely to show them maybe this is this is an anthology but it's not really an anthology it's kind of like how every 15 years the days of our lives is a completely different cast or yeah. all my children whatever those soap operas are because the lakers are a soap opera they just are it's, it's there's new characters all the time and there's new people rotating in and out Would well they, sure that's the nature are, of sports yeah yeah or could they have gone could they have gone to a different focus entirely like let's focus on magic at the very end of his career, or let's focus on Kobe or let's, let's go backwards. Let's talk about Will Chamberlain and Jerry West when they were playing. That could have been interesting. It kind of gets on that in the, what is it like the first couple episodes is it's introducing Jerry West for him being like a perennial failure. Um, but yeah, all the other stuff sounds interesting about going into the future, about, like you said, you literally have the last 40, 50 years of history to draw from, and that's a lot of material to mine for a potential 8, 10 season TV show. Um, or you think said the title of the show is Winning Time, and each season is a different subtitle. The first season was The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty. That'd be good. Maybe... The next season is, I mean, nobody would care except me and some people in Houston, like the 95 Rockets, like ultimate, like the six seed wins the title. Or you go you go further in the future, like 08 Celtics. Or even further, you go 15 Warriors. Or you go back in the past and you go 67 Celtics. Or wherever you want to go. And it's not just about the Lakers. And then you can have different people stepping into the showrunner boots and putting a different spin on it based on the style of team. Like how many people would have turned on for like the 1971 New York Knicks to see like a, that kind of team win a title? I mean, is it interesting to the person who doesn't really know anything about the 71 Knicks? Maybe not, but you could have done something conceptually interesting if you make it an anthology and you change the focus every year. I think what we're learning is that there's just a lot of missed opportunities yeah. for this show. And oh, yeah, 100%. And they never established that focus. It would have been nice if they had. But yeah. This Did you notice there's my 07 show about the Phoenix Suns? Let's go. <laughs> Steve Nash. MV Steve, baby. Man, oh, man. The 07 Suns. <laughs> just the most random team. Um, did you notice there's one line in there? Thoughts, sorry. <laughs> what was sorry. that? I have lots of 07 Suns thoughts, but that's not what the people are here for. <laughs> right. I think they didn't even win. I don't want to no, get too mean about it. <laughs> but um, that, that wouldn't be winning time. That would be. No, it something. wouldn't have been winning time. Been I don't remember who said it in the show, but it was either Magic or Kareem. Uh, they said, You want me to be a piston, a pacer, a plumber? Um, and that, to me, that had to be a reference about all the people who say Magic and Bird and Jordan aren't actually impressive because they only played against plumbers in their eras. Um, and 
that's why LeBron is the goat and why KD is one of the goats. Um, did you did you notice that line? I think so. I don't remember it, but that does sound familiar. Have you heard those arguments though that people say like, yeah. "Oh yeah, yeah, like, Magic played against plumbers. He doesn't count. He played yeah, against I, plumbers and whatever." I, that's why I really don't believe in the goat argument anymore as a basketball yeah. thing. And the soapbox is we shouldn't even have a goat conversation in the NBA. Personally, I don't think because Jordan didn't play now. Will Russell didn't play in the '90s. LeBron didn't play in the '60s. Like. You can't really cross compare because it's different technologies that they have to support themselves, different levels of competition, different travel amenities, different motivators, including contracts and social uh, obligations. So you can't really compare it all. I think you could pretty easily say Russell in the 60s, um, whoever in the 70s, Bird and Magic in the 80s, Jordan in the 90s, Kobe in the uh, aughts, LeBron in the tens, Steph in the twenties, something like that. Yeah, actually, maybe not Steph. Maybe Jokic. I'll say Tatum. Maybe I think it's going to be Jokic. <laughs> I'm I'm sticking with Tatum. Uh, <laughs> we got twenty three to twenty nine in the bag uh, for for the finals. Tatum and Brown leading. leading Good luck having Time Lord guard all three hundred pounds of Jokic. If Jokic, he, this this isn't even about the show anymore. But he can <laughs> score seventy points a game. I don't care as long as that's the only thing that he's doing. Uh, I think I think it's pretty his, easy. As a player was realizing, oh, I could just go through whoever I want. Fine, I'm just going to toss this into the basket. But right, just take away his teammates. Yeah, but that could speak to it's it's super easy. Yeah. I'm joking, of course. <laughs> That's, that's why they what the show could just have won the finals. On different titles and different eras of teams for the Lakers or for the NBA, they kind of stumbled on something really interesting of dramatizing it because we have so many great sports documentaries and we have a, we have a lot of great sports movie stories that are told of the underdog or of the coming together in spite of all odds, like Miracle. And it's not right. based on a true story, but Rocky. We have all these great underdog stories. What about the team that had to fight against themselves and was the clear-cut title and they had to deal with themselves and they had to overcome something internally rather than externally? And that was something the show had. And I think it, it could have been great given the right writing if they had found the right pacing. If they could start it all over again and rewrite it and reshoot it, I don't think they would do it the same way. But I think stylistically, they probably would have kept a lot of it. They had a lot of great casting choices, but the focus would have had to have been shifted. And that would have been really intriguing if they had found the right focus. I wonder if something like Showtime or Stars or Netflix or anyone will pick up the show uh, and revive it because that's not unprecedented at all. They just add it to their streaming service and cut off the that last scene with the title cards and just keep it going. Because um, like we've said over and over, we got the possibility. We got we got the the narrative to mine there. Exactly. But I think that's I think that's a good place to stop. I Sam, uh, thank you so much for coming on. It's a blast talking about sports and movies and TV and all of them at once. Yeah, I had a great time. I wish winning time had gone on. So do I, yeah.
Quick reminder that the SIF5 Writers Room is part of the Studio DNA network. You can check out other great shows at studiodna.media. If you're interested in writing for SIFPOP.com or if you want to get in contact with us, then email us at writersroom at But until next time, we have to get back to the writer's room. <laughs>